all evil itself. And that's something that is important for us to remember, that God is a just God. He is not going to let evil reign. He is not going to allow evil to take its foothold and say, okay, I am king. God is going to say evil is no more. And he will judge evil, all evil that has been done. And that's something worth celebrating. Because I think that we all see in our society, even today, evil happening. And some of us may be thinking of, you know, um, certain sexual immorality that happens, and we consider that evil, and it is evil. But we also see other things. We, you know, we can think about Chicago. <laughs> um, we can think about all these places where basically there's more guns and there's more people getting shot than there are people who are coming into the world, it seems, in some of these cities. And there's something wrong with that. There's something evil about that. And then we think about other societies that we see around the world. Um, we think about in the past, when it comes to um, China, during the Mao Revolution, and how 50 million people died. 50 million. And you think, under Hitler, 10 million people died. That's how many more died in China. And so we have all these evils, and especially the 20th century, we still continue to see the genocides happen today, and we think, God, when are you going to strike against this? This is when. That's when. And he's going to come against it, and it will be eradicated once and for all. And so for this, we do praise God. We praise God that justice finally wins. That justice is not something which is not going to happen, but that justice will, in fact, happen. And that's what we found out in the last verse of Joel when we read it over, that the blood will not be not avenged, that God will avenge the blood. All right, so that's the first thing that we consider. Judgment, the day of the Lord, these are things that happen in Joel. But what else happens? What else happens? Well, hope and repentance. Um, And we see this, that turning in repentance and faith can lead God from turning judgment against a people. And I'm going to read real quick a verse to you. And this comes from Joel 2, 12 through 14. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Um, And this is important. This is important for us because it reminds us that repentance can turn God's wrath, that it can turn... Um, his judgment away from peoples. And because of that, it reminds us that it's not just a matter of um, an idea or a proclamation, but it requires true repentance. And we see that. Hearts rather than clothes. That in order for God to relent from judgment, we need to have all of ourselves be rent in repentance, that we have to turn toward God with our lives. Um, And now there's something we want to add to that, though. And that is that though repentance can cause God to relent, it doesn't necessarily mean that it will. Um, But instead, that God does recognize repentance and that he can and that there are times when he does. And so evidence, though, 
of repentance. It can't just be a simple, oh, I believe in God. It can't be a simple, God, save me. It has to be a recognition that you are crying out to God in repentance. That you are saying, Lord, I'm turning my ways. I have my faith in you. And it all begins with faith because you're not going to repent to something you don't have faith in. <laughs> That's just a simple reality. Why would you? Um, you have to know something before you can repent to it. All right. And so that leads us to also um, the evidence that they had, for example. The evidence that they had was when Joel said, call a solemn assembly. And who was supposed to show up? Everyone. Everyone was called to the solemn assembly. Everyone in Judah was said, come to the solemn assembly. You know what? You just have a baby that day. Get to the assembly. You know, it was a call. We all have to come together and worship God and have him turn aside his wrath. It's not enough. We all have to do it together. It has to be an assembly of believers, an assembly of repentance. And that's how they showed it. That was the evidence that, you know what, we recognize it. Joel, we see that this is the day of the Lord against us. Joel, what can we do? Joel says, call a solemn assembly. Rent your heart before God. Turn toward him. And that's what they do. And because of that, um, we see what happens. And that's that God does respond. He did not continue on with the judgment. In fact, if we're reading through Joel, it's really interesting. Because the first half of Joel is all judgment against the people of God. And then Joel says, turn in this assembly. Turn your hearts. And then God turns around. And the judgment is no more. Um, And there's... You can see elements of the gospel here, but I'm not going to bring it up yet. Um, And that's the simple truth, is that God does relent. And I do have a few verses here. Uh, 18 and 19. Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied. And I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. And that's good news. That's good news because that means that there's salvation. You're going to have to go through all that all the way, sorry. <laughs> um, and so we see that. We see that turning in repentance does, in fact, lead to a turning from God from judgment. And this is really important because if God doesn't relent, then there's no hope. Because who could go against God? Um, Could another God go against God? I would argue no. (laughs) Um, I would argue no, there can be no God against God, but God himself could completely destroy them if he so wanted. Um, And so, ultimately, the question becomes, what is our response? Um, Because we see that in the Old Testament, when they repented, that not only did God promise them a bunch of things, Um, not only did he promise them that he would turn away from them, but he also said that he would bless them. And he did bless them. He gave them land. He gave them um, blessings in the land. The animals were blessed even. That's crazy to think about. That not only are humans blessed, but the land is blessed that we possess. And not only is the land possessed or blessed, but also the animals are blessed. 
It's almost like all creation is blessed. Um, and so what's our response, though? What is your response when you hear that? Turn in repentance and faith toward Jesus Christ. Um, and it's a recognition that this is... I, I've said this a lot recently, that in Joel, in the prophets, you can hear Christ. You can see Christ if you look. And this is one of those elements. That when we turn in repentance and faith toward Christ, we ourselves are no longer judged. We ourselves are worthy of judgment just as they were worthy of judgment. And we don't need to call a solemn assembly in order for repentance. All we need to do is proclaim that Christ is Lord, believe in him, and know that he is our Savior, and then turn with our lives toward him. And then when we do that, it's evidence judgment is passing over you. And that is something which is miraculous to someone like me who knows my sin. And I know that I'm worthy. And I've seen the armies, not literally, <laughs> but I've seen the armies and I've understood, you know, I deserve everything that God sends my way in judgment. I deserve it. And then he says, turn toward me and all of it will go away. And it does. And how miraculous is that? And so that leads us to, um, to something else. And this is the prophet in regards to fulfillment. Um, actually, can you go back real quick, Pat? Thank you. Um, and so the next theme that we see, we see the day of the Lord, but we also see that repentance can turn away the day of the Lord. But we also see this, the prophet fulfilled. Um, and the first thing that we really think of when it comes to the prophet being fulfilled is in regards to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he says in chapter 2 or chapter 3, depending on your Bible, he says this, and it's so wonderful to, hear, to read. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions." Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. I don't know about you, but to me that gives me a lot of hope. It gives me a lot of hope because ultimately... Yeah, I know, this is kind of messed up, so just leave it up. <laughs> uh, ultimately, it means that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is an important thing. And so that means that if, let's say, in the New Testament, there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? Judgment has passed over you. Um, and so the question is, did that ever happen? Yes. It happened when Jesus promised and fulfilled it. In John 14 through 16, he said that a helper would come after me, and he was talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, in Acts chapter 2, we actually see the Holy Spirit come upon them at Pentecost. And after that point, you know judgment has passed. 
that there is no more judgment during that time. And that is when Joel was fulfilled. That this promise that the Holy Spirit would come upon the people was fulfilled. However, there is also fulfillment to come. There's also something that Joel prophesied which has not happened yet. And that is the judgment of the nations. You see, that hasn't happened yet. We haven't had that experience of seeing the nations judged. It just hasn't happened. However, we know that it's going to happen at some point. But, there's always a great but whenever you're talking about scriptures and judgment, isn't there? There is refuge. There is a refuge during the judgment. And so, what is the ultimate fulfillment to come? It's not necessarily the judgment. I don't think it is, personally. I don't think that's the main focus. Instead, the ultimate fulfillment is this. But Judah shall be inhabited forever, and Jerusalem to all generations. I will avenge their blood, blood I have not avenged, for the Lord dwells in Zion. That last verse, the last thing Joel says, the Lord dwells in Zion. If you were to ask me what is the most important fulfillment to come, it's not the judgment of the nations. It's not even necessary. Well, I guess in some respects it is the Holy Spirit, but that's already happened. But the one that's going to come, the most important thing is that God dwells with us. Because if God is not dwelling with us, what happens when judgment comes? We're in it. It means that you're in the judgment and I'm in the judgment. If, however, God is dwelling with us, that means we have a refuge from the judgment of God, which is God himself. And again, I don't know about you, But that fulfillment to come gives me a lot of hope about the future. Because that means that when the judgment finally does occur, I've got nothing to fear if I am in Christ. I have nothing to worry about when the judgment of the nations occurs. Because God is my refuge. The one who is bringing the judgment is my refuge. And that's the whole of Joel. (laughs) And that's what we see from the beginning to the end of Joel. From the beginning with the judgment coming. And then it says, turn and repent and God will relent. I didn't mean to rhyme that. Or did I? (laughs) Um, Turn and repent. And then God will relent from the disaster. He does relent from the disaster. And those in whom... Those who have repented and have faith, they don't face it. And then in the end, what happens? Judgment comes across all the board. And those whom um, have not turned in repentance and faith are judged. And so again, for those of us who have turned, there is hope. And I think this ultimately leads again to... The point that we come to every week, which is in a way the gospel, but I'm going to do it a little differently. You know what? In Joel, there are those who are outside and those who are inside. So for those who are outside of Christ, there is judgment. And we see that. 
We see that in the final chapter of Joel when all the nations are judged. They're getting judged. That's the end. There's no hope for them. There's no refuge for them because, again, they're coming against God. And God is far stronger than any human nation. However, in Christ, there is no judgment because he is our refuge. He is the one who keeps us. He's the one who sustains us. And as 1 John says, there is no longer any condemnation in Christ. There is only love. Love. However, there's more. Outside of Christ, there is no abundance. I don't know if you picked up on that or not. But it does say that all the nations who are on the outside who are going to be judged... There will be a desolation. They will be no more. It will be the end of them. So there is no abundance. However, inside of Christ, there is abundance. An eternal kingdom with blessing upon blessing upon blessing. A blessing never ending. And we see this in Joel. How all of Judah will be inhabited forever. And... All the land will produce, and we didn't go over today, but a few verses above verse 20 in chapter 3 or 4, depending on your trans, or translation, it talks about how the wine press is overflowing. And the land is producing milk, and all of the animals are grazing and they're fine. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing. So you see a dichotomy. Where's Ellen? Today in Sunday school, she talked about dichotomy and knowing the difference. <laughs> Here's the dichotomy, just so everyone's aware. Outside versus inside. And then again, outside of Christ, there is no dwelling with God. And I think that's the most heart-wrenching of all. Um, Because even in 1 Corinthians, you know what Paul says? You know, we're all going to be judged by fire and only that which lasts will remain. But at least you got something that lasts. That's the point. But what happens if you don't have anything that lasts? What happens when the judgment comes and there is nothing left? Now, I'm not being annihilationalist in this, because that would be heretical. But the sense is that outside of Christ, there's no dwelling with God in love. And that's a terrible, sorrowful thing. To no longer, or to even not even have hope that you can turn toward God. And that you can experience the love of God forevermore. But in Christ, we dwell with God forever. Um, And that makes me think of something that we went over a few, about ten minutes ago. And that's when we were talking about the Holy Spirit. And, you know, when we read over Joel, I think, and actually any of the prophets, when you really think about it, how many of you, when you read over the prophets, think, oh man, this is just for Israel and Judah, what does it relate to me? Have you ever thought about that? Thank you, David, for being honest. <laughs> um, no, there are times when we read over the Old Testament and we're thinking, how does this really relate to me? I don't, I'm not part of Israel. I'm not part of Judah. You know, I wasn't back then when they were being idolatrous or unfaithful. And then I read over something like Joel 2 <laughs> that we read over earlier about the Holy Spirit being poured out. Do you know what one of the key things about that is? Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. That would include us, 
who are not part of Israel and Judah. That would include you and me and I, because I want to be grammatically correct. You and I. And that further means that all of what we see here about no judgment, about abundance, and everything that we read, even in the Old Testament, about the promises of the Old Testament, you ever think about how grand they are, how wonderful they are? That God is really going to bless them forever and forever and forever. That God says in the Old Testament, He will wipe away their tears. He's talking about you. And me, not just them, back then. He's talking about anyone who turns toward him. And so it's with this that the best thing I can offer you when we consider Joel is to remember that though it is he's prophesying against nations, he's prophesying against people groups of a time past, it's true. But he's still speaks to us today. And he's still, all the encouragement and all the promises that he gives to them are given to us if we're in Christ. And so my call to you today, my encouragement to you today, don't be on the outside. Don't be unrepentant. Don't be faithless. Instead, turn toward Christ. Because in him, we have our hope our abundance, and we get to dwell with God forevermore in love. And there's nothing that can take it away. Not a thing. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for all that you have accomplished through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you especially that you have provided the prophets speaking to men and women thousands of years ago, Lord. And that through these prophets, you proclaimed that something was going to happen that they wouldn't see. And that things were going to happen that would affect all of us thousands of years later. And Lord, we thank you because you've told us the gospel. Because through you we know the gospel and that it is through the gospel that it's all brought about together and that we can understand all of these things and we can say glory be to God in the highest. And Lord, we thank you for these things. We thank you that you have given us the prophets and we thank you that you have always been telling us all along the way, your son was coming, hold on. And Lord, we're on the other side of that. Christ has come. But we also are told, Christ is coming, hold on. So give us strength, Lord. And continue to keep us as we continue to wait for your Son. Who is going to be our refuge in the future. And who is even our refuge now. In his name we pray, amen. If you would, please rise as we sing our final hymn.
Thank you all for coming out today, and I wish you grace and blessings and peace, knowing that if you're in Christ, you're in the refuge of Christ, and being in his refuge, it means you're home.